Hello and welcome back to the No Limits podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in today. And we're coming to you live from Melbourne. That sounds weird, live from Melbourne. Um, So back in beautiful Melbourne, actually providing the goods with the weather for once, which is a good surprise. Um, Sleep deprivation from the flight over from Tokyo has absolutely washed off now. Who would have thought that even airline jets, Jetstar, yeah, don't cancel me. But Jetstar, they set me up a good one. Basically, I had an overnight flight from Tokyo. I think I left at about 8 p.m. Tokyo time. And then I arrived in Cairns for a transfer flight at I think it was 4.45 a.m. And I had to get my check baggage, wait in the line and go through security and check in all in the space of a time when my next flight was at 6.30 so Jetstar, thank you very much for all the stress. Um, that was very fun. And yeah, basically no sleep on the flight. I don't understand how anyone can sleep on the flight, even with the goat of all face masks, eye masks, the Mantis sleep mask. If you haven't utilized that before, I highly, highly recommend it. So basically a whole bunch of melatonin, all the sleep sups, face mask, eye mask, earplugs, and then listening to a, a podcast, and I still could not get an ounce of sleep. So just come back to life today, which I am very excited about because I can finally get the vibes going to get stuck into today's podcast. And also, of course, still very well fueled from all the amazing sushi that Japan did have on offer. So I probably don't think I'm ever going to eat sushi again unless I'm in Japan. It was that good even the airport sushi. Now, typically, now when I say typically, I mean all the time. I, If I'm flying somewhere, I'll always prep my meals beforehand because there's no way I am trying to rely on airport food or God forbid what the plane offers. So I would always prep my food, but even the airport sushi in Japan was top tier Michelin star status. So if you like sushi, definitely worth a trip to Japan. Um, more than happy to provide some of the, the good spots there. And also the ramen. My God, you can tell I've just come out of a fat loss phase and gone into a mass phase. Um, so I'm not very cultured. I'm a typical Bogan Aussie. And, you know, everything is when as my childhood was literally just anything with tomato sauce on it. That was just the most basic plain meal and Vegemite sandwiches. That was my life. I remember at high school, I was actually speaking to this with a a client the other day, you know, used to like trade my recess and my lunch because I used to have the most plain, boring food. And then my, um, you know, vast majority of my wog mates would have these amazing roles that they didn't even appreciate. So I would trade with them. Um, So tried ramen for the first time. And it was that good that I ended up lining up, I think it was about 45 minutes on my final night in Japan for a bowl of ramen. And it was worth every second of that 45 minutes. And if you like ramen, I highly recommend heading to Japan as well. It was very interesting. You might have actually seen on my Instagram stories, the dilemmas with the gym. I would probably never stay there longer than a week. And I would make sure that if you do go there, Make sure it's a deload week or you're just going to take a week off training because the amount of rules they have in the gym there is insane. I basically had to cover up everything, like all my tattoos, because 
apparently if I've got tattoos, I'm in the Yakuza, which is the Japanese mafia, um, even though I'm not Japanese. So then I would not be allowed in the gym. Would have to wear a face mask whilst I train. And it literally was to the extreme that any machine that I wanted to use, it had a little like, um, uh, what's it called? A whiteboard where I had to write down the time I started and the time I was going to be finished. And I wasn't allowed to be on a piece of machine for longer than 15 minutes. So if you want to go to Japan for an extended period of time, don't expect the best gyms and don't expect there to not be rules everywhere. It's a very regimented society, which is quite interesting. Um, I'm definitely not one to go with the rules and I tend to go against the grain of a lot of things. It's um, probably very apparent in my, my story podcast. And I don't do well being told what to do. You might be able to relate to that. Um, so it was very challenging. So a week is enough, but it's definitely a beautiful place and highly recommend checking out. So getting stuck into today's podcast. So today's podcast, I'm going to be covering a topic that I've changed my mind on over the years, and that is the topic of fasting. Now, I'm going to cover a few different areas in regards to fat loss, focus, performance in the gym. And there's some considerations around fasting um, that I've come to. Now, I am not a, um, I'm not the smartest person in the world. I'll be the first to admit that. And I'm not the most scientific um, person in the world either. Like I do understand that studies and science can be super beneficial. But at the end of the day, we can find anything we really want in a study to reinforce our beliefs so if we want to find out anything at all there's going to be a study out there whether it's in humans or mice or rats that's going to be advantageous towards our personal proclivity Uh, so a lot of this is in the trenches experience um, changing my thoughts and i always like to encourage that too to always keep an open mind i'm definitely not the coach that wants to be known as the fasting guy or anything really like at the end of the day if a study comes out you know tomorrow and it says that putting salt in your coffee is going to kill all your gains i'll have a bit of a mental breakdown i'll be extremely upset but i'll probably stop putting coffee in my um putting coffee in my salt there we go there's my first stutter of the podcast i'll stop putting salt in my coffee um so i always like to view things from a lens of optimizing and also remembering like what the end goal is or what the main goal is because at the end of the day there's no real end goal there's no point that we get to and we're just like all right i've achieved my goal i can just stop now so there's always a forward moving progression and i'm hoping to provide some insight here now you might have some questions around fasting so feel free after listening to this podcast if anything does pop up to just shoot me a message on instagram or if you're a client Feel free to message me on the coaching app and more than happy to delve into this with you today. So fasting is one of those topics that I used to think like, no way. My goal is to build muscle. Why would being without food for a period of time be beneficial to building muscle? So much so that in my nutrient timing podcast that I did, I've forgotten the episode now. Um, So I basically used to wake up in the middle of the night and sip on a protein shake. So there's three different types of protein. There's whey protein isolate, which digests super quickly. There's whey protein concentrate, which is a bit slower than isolate. Then there's 
whey, whey protein, which is casein protein, so it's casein protein. And that is very, very slow digesting. I think it's like roughly six to eight hours. So my thought process was that I need to just have a constant drip of protein in my body or else I'm going to lose all my gains. Now, at this time, I was also smashing pre-workout at five o'clock in the afternoon and I was, wasn't really sleeping. And if you look at the research on sleep and muscle building and recovery, <clears throat> that probably should have been my focus. But that's how far I went to avoid being in a fasted state. And I went through a big period where I really enjoyed the idea of just waking up and doing what I love straight away, which is, of course, lifting heavy weights. It solves all my life problems. So I would wake up in the morning and I would literally, before I even had a shower, get ready to make my pre-workout meal, which has basically been a staple for probably five years now. I've made slight tweaks, but it's pretty basically banana, oats, protein powder, and then potentially some dark chalk if that allows or almond butter. And sometimes I swap the oats for rice flour. Eventually I got onto cream of rice. That was a big thing in the UK. And I ended up getting a coach or well, my coach is still my coach now, Joe. He's from the UK and he um, put it in one of my meal plans when we first started working together. And I didn't even know what to do. I bought the wrong rice flour. I cooked it up. It tasted like, yeah, disgusting. It's a process, but that was what I would do. I would wake up and I would just eat straight away. And I used to wonder why I'd feel so sleepy. Um, always like just this big bolus of food straight away, straight after waking up. But my idea was I need to maximize muscle protein synthesis, which is the rebuilding of muscle cells. And I need to get a meal in straight away or else I'm going to lose all my gains. So I did this for many years and then I went through this period and I don't know what the hell got into me. I must have gone through a weird stage. I think this was when I was, I've just left my roof plumbing job. I was doing my personal training course and I was working at Star Trek, which is basically a transport company, does, delivers parcels. And I'd work in the factory and I had this awesome gig um, where I'd basically work from, I think it was five till nine each night. You know, obviously finances were not good <laughs> and that, that was a big, big stressor. But the quality of life, just working four hours a day and just deep diving, researching, training, relaxing, um, it, was, it was pretty cool. Um, but I would probably spend way too much time obsessing over the little things. And I decided to trial keto. Now, I probably have aired my thoughts on keto and that's probably a whole nother podcast for another day. But I had just finished up a gaining phase and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to give it a go. Because, you know, some people are saying it's the best thing ever. And I mean, this is, if you've done keto before, you probably were in a similar thought process to me. If I can eat steak and salmon and put peanut butter on everything, I'm in. Um, so I gave that a go. And then whoever I got the advice from, I can't remember, uh, they recommended that you also fast for the first chunk of the day. Um, so I was living in Maribyrnong at the time. And if you're aware of the Maribyrnong River, it's just a nice river to go for a walk on. And basically, Every morning I would wake up fasted. I didn't have to work till five o'clock. So I would just go for a big walk around the Maribyrnong and then I would 
go to the shops, get my food, come home, and I'd usually eat. <laughs> I think my first meal of the day was basically like two pieces of salmon and like four eggs. Now, salmon is one of those things that when you finally learn about calories, it breaks your heart if you like salmon. Because I used to eat this flat out, and then I realized that the amount of calories for to get, say, 50 grams of protein from salmon compared to 50 grams of protein from chicken breast, it's a lot. And I used to wonder why I would struggle to lose body fat. And as always, what gets measured gets improved. If you're not actually measuring and managing, you can't really say something doesn't work. So one thing I found when I was doing that and was while I was doing keto as well, was that my focus was really good. I found I could, you know, not really have peaks in, um, you know, energy and the big drop-offs. It was very consistent. But my performance in the gym absolutely sucked. It was a feeling like I hadn't slept in three days and I hadn't drank any water, no salty coffee, and I would just feel flat in the gym. I watched my numbers just diminish immensely. And as soon as that started to happen, I was like, all right, nope, this is not for me. And then I found once I went out of keto, literally just like all the quote unquote weight that I lost, I realized there was a lot of it was just water. And then it just came straight back on, uh, which you might've found if you've done keto before. And if you want to give it a go, uh, don't get too excited with that first initial drop off. A lot of it will just be fluid weight because for every gram of carbohydrate we consume, we roughly hold about three grams of fluid, both in the muscle and outside of the muscle. Um, so that period made me realize that, okay, it was really cool that focus thing, but the performance in the gym, like I value that. So there's no way I'm doing that again. And I found that whenever I'd go through like a fat loss phase, this habit of waking up and eating straight away made things extremely difficult. You might be able to relate to this where, you know, you're tracking your calories, you're on a reduced amount of calories because your goal is to get leaner and you have a big chunk of calories at the start of the day. Um, and then you get to the end of the day and you might have just done a bit of macro Tetris throughout the day, plugging in your foods into my fitness power. And then you realize, shit, I've got fuck all calories to consume or I've got, you know, a heap of calories to consume. But what I was constantly finding as I was getting to the end of the day and I realized I had hardly anything um, to have. So then eventually the hunger would kick in, um, my lack of willpower would kick in, and then I would overconsume the calories. And then that was often when I'd go into what I like to call the fuck it mindset. So the fuck it mindset is basically where you will think, oh, I've stuffed up a little bit, so I might as well make the most of it. Now, usually the stuffing up a little bit is never the issue. It's what follows when you go into the fuck it, mate. I like to view it like, imagine you're on the freeway and you get a puncture in one of your tires and then you pull over to the side of the road. And it's kind of like, oh, well, fuck it. I've got to replace one tire. I might as well stab a hole in the other three. And this has been a repeat in a lot of things in my life. And it's something that I'm always constantly working on and trying to be aware of. And oftentimes, if I ever am in a deep deficit and I do get that urge to overeat, I try to remind myself of how I feel um, after I go into fucking mode or, you know, stab another three holes in the tire in my car on the freeway. 
So at this time, I was basically under the idea, as I went through in my nutrient timing podcast, that I need to eat every two hours, protein every single meal, which I still 100%. If you're having a meal, you've got to have protein in it if you take your goals seriously, whether that's muscle building or fat loss. But I would be under the impression that I need to eat six meals a day minimum. I needed to eat every two hours. But at this point, I sort of had a moment to myself and was like, well, Rick, you know, you're not focusing on the fundamentals. You're over-consuming your calories constantly. Your quality of life is average because you're getting to the end of the day and you're having a little sook to yourself because you don't have enough calories. And if you're like me, which I assume you are, I find most people are, they can go through the day and not eat as much food. But usually after you relax, after a big day of work, you want to come home to a big meal. So I decided that I was going to go against my um, upbringing of bodybuilding magazines telling me I need to eat every two hours to speed up the metabolism and maximize muscle protein synthesis, even though that's bullshit. But anyways, um, I would I moved my meals from six to five. And all I did was just remove that first meal straight after waking. And I would just use this time to get some steps in, you know, get ready for my session and I would like prepare my pre and post-workout meal. And then I found that by doing this, I would I was allowed to have well, allowed. I was able to have five larger meals and I could be more uh, consistent, which adherence is king. That's what matters most. You know, we can talk all about like all the different nuances and the fanciest protocols and take all the subs, but you know, if we can't stick to something long-term, what's the point with everything in life? Because at the end of the day, if we can't do something forever, what's the point in really, you know, putting all our eggs in that basket if we can't stick to it long-term? And this is why, you know, oftentimes without, you know, specific, you know, um, areas like specifics to be like aggressive with, like so there's certain scenarios where, a crash diet approach can actually be applicable. And I might actually go into that in a, a future podcast, but that's more so for individuals that have experience and a lot of knowledge in this and can understand what the trade-offs are. But at the end of the day, adherence is king. And I found that was helping my adherence a lot. Now, I found this was a common trend as I went through my fat loss phases that eventually I would start pushing back my first meal a little bit more, a little bit more. Because I found it easier that if I didn't eat, then I could, you know, just go about my day. And then once I did eat, then all of a sudden I would be more hungry. But then the timing, I don't have to delay my meals as much because, you know, if you're awake at 5 a.m. and you go to bed at, you know, 10 p.m., you know, are you really going to like fit in, you know, three meals across a day that's going to, and you wait and you eat your first one first thing in the morning, even if it's four meals across a day and you eat first thing in the morning, it's going to make things very challenging. So I found this was very beneficial. And on my most recent fat loss push, I found I was actually pushing back my first meal to about 10 a.m. And I found this was super useful I could really, really focus on work. And that was another reason why I accepted the trade-offs that may or may not occur from fasting is the focus benefit. You might find that after you eat a meal, you kind of feel a bit sleepy, a bit lethargic. You can't focus as well. That is me to a T. Um, I have to basically, well, when I with my online coaching, I have to be up and about. I'm 
recording video check-ins all morning um, and then some bigger days all afternoon as well, all day pretty much. And I need to be coming at the check-ins with good energy and good vibe because how can one of my clients, and if you're one of my clients, how can you be excited for you know the week ahead if your coach is sleepy as in the check-in because he just ate a big bowl of oats straight after waking up and or he's cranky because he has to wait five hours to eat his next meal so he can have a larger meal at night. Um, so I found it was super beneficial from a productivity standpoint too. Now this hurt because I had to push back my training because I think training whilst fasted is not ideal. Now, if you enjoy it and you personally find you benefit from it, cool, like all power to you, keep going. Um, but when I think about like training hard, which I assume if you listen to this podcast, you train hard. And I think the intensity that people train often holds themselves back from the progress they could achieve. So I think if you're just someone who likes to train and like enjoys just ticking that box, like cool, you can train faster. That's no problem. But if you're in there and you really want to exceed what was once your true potential, then, you know, progress your lifts better than you did last week. You know, that's when you probably want to optimize things. And the carbohydrates specifically are like the primary fuel source for our training, muscle glycogen. So I think it is always a good idea to get in some form of protein and carbohydrates, both pre and post-workout. Now, if you're someone who needs to train, you know, first thing in the morning, you really don't like the idea of eating before training, uh, I would assume that, you know, you could accept the trade-off of having a drink instead. So this is where, now I can't believe I'm saying this on a podcast that's potentially going to be up forever. I might have to delete this one, but this is where I would actually suggest BCAAs or EAAs, specifically EAAs. If you're going to get BCAAs, make sure they've got EAAs, so essential amino acids. BCAAs we can get extremely easily, and if you're eating sufficient protein across the day, uh, there's a really good photo. It's um, of an Olympic swimmer, and he's like in the water, and he's pouring a water bottle on his head. And it's like, this is what it looks like if you are consuming adequate protein and consuming BCAAs, which has some truth to it. Now I share it because it's a bit of a laugh. Um, but EAAs aren't as easily um, readily available in like our foods. So that's something that I would suggest there. If you were going to train fasted, I would say EAAs and then maybe like a liquid carbohydrate source. So this could be you know, if you want to be like full bodybuilder vibes, highly branch chain cyclic dextrin, or even like a Vitago, but you could literally just have a Gatorade or coconut water uh, with some salt. So salt, definitely going to help with your performance. I might even do a whole entire podcast on salt, considering my obsession with salty coffee. Um, and I think that would be a good approach if you don't like the idea of eating early in the morning, or you want to quote unquote, fast until post-workout. Um, I think if you want to train hard and you want to perform at your best, that would be my approach there. Um, so when do I think fasting is like applicable and like a good idea? Now, I think it's a beneficial idea if you're in a fat loss phase, just because typically we're more hungry later in the day for most individuals that I've seen. And I find it can allow greater adherence and you might find that if you're hungry at dinner, if you fast for a bit further in the morning, 
you're going to be able to consume more food throughout the day. Um, now, in regards to the timing of the fasting, I like to always think about the fundamentals too. So based on the research, it does show that in regards to protein feedings, so the amount of meals you have with adequate protein, so this is ideally going to be a minimum of 25 grams of protein. Um, ideally, four is like the sweet spot. Four is way better than three, but five is no greater than four. But ideally, you know, you want to get as many consistent protein feedings in across a day. So I use this to my advantage and focus on four protein feedings across a day when I'm in a fat loss phase. Now, my calories are getting increased at the moment as I'm currently in a gaining phase. They're not super high just yet, but once they do get to the point that they are, you know, the four meals end up just being so large that it's just uncomfortable to digest, I'll reduce the amount of time I fast in the morning. So at the moment, I've, I've set like a rough rule with myself to not exceed three hours after waking, just because I like to think of that as a safety measure that ideally I want to maximize, you know, my focus, my productivity that allows me 90 minutes to wait until my first coffee of the day, um, which is, has been an absolute game changer for me. If you haven't looked into Andrew Huberman, I'll probably mention him flat out on this podcast. Um, delaying my caffeine by 90 minutes has changed the game for me. So I don't like to have a coffee with like a meal either because I want to get the most from the caffeine, a bit of a caffeine addict. And on an empty stomach or with less food in the digestive system, I find it hits me way harder and I can get way more revved up for my check-ins. And that way I can sort of let that buzz of the caffeine wear off and then I can have my first meal. And then I usually like to train after my first meal. So this is why when I didn't like the idea of fasting, I would just train first thing in the morning because I usually like only training after one meal. Now, I don't think it'd be applicable if you're someone who actually likes eating in the morning and you don't really notice it impacts your adherence to whatever your current goals are. Um, there could be some benefit to delaying by like say an hour um, just letting your body wake up, reset, you know, get ready for the day. Um, you know, typically I find the best thing to do in the morning first thing is get outside if you can, get some sunlight in your eyes, get some hydration into you, and maybe some like salt in your water. That also helps with hydration as well. And then have your first meal after an hour. I find that's usually a good way to go about things. But I would avoid extremes. So I've never done this and I don't think I ever will, but like full day fast, like I don't like the idea of that at all. But there has actually been research that has shown, I think it was a 40 hour fast that basically they didn't notice any real differences in like uh, muscle growth or muscle breakdown um, in comparison to like, I don't think muscle growth, but more so they didn't see any negatives in regards to muscle breakdown in comparison. But are you going to perform at your best if you've just had a full day without food? Probably not. Same thing if you go on the extreme of fasting and fasting for, you know, six hours and then only eating three meals across the day, six hours from waking, you know, you're probably not going to perform at your best. So those are some of the potential downsides. You might also find that for you as a unique individual, if you fast for a big chunk of the morning, you might flip into the mindset where you're like, oh, now I get to eat all this food later in the day. And then you might res it might result in a bit of a binge, which again, 
defeats the whole purpose of the fundamentals, which is adherence. Now, when it comes to fat loss, some people may or may not think, and you might think that, well, if we're fasting, it's going to be better for fat loss because we're not eating. And, you know, if we're doing cardio when we're fasted, that's going to be better for fat loss because, you know, we don't have food in the system. So we're going to really rip into the body fat. And I put on that bit of like a joke voice there because that's basically what I used to think. Um, I went through a little period where I thought faster cardio was the way to go. Now, I might get cancelled for this. You know, forgive me if I'm wrong, but this is my ideas and, you know, not just my ideas. I heard it on a podcast and it reminded me of my thoughts anyways um, of the whole faster cardio thing. Now, firstly, the research has shown that basically they you, if you compare group for group and you put them in the same calorie deficit, the same protein, and one does time-restricted feeding, so fasting, and one just eats ab libitum, so basically just whenever they like and just adheres to the targets, there is no difference. So I probably should have just started the podcast with that, but then I guess you might not have listened to the rest of it. So there's no difference. So fasting or, you know, quote-unquote skipping breakfast, calories are king. And of course, protein and calories are king because if you just focus on calories, you're not really going to look as good as if you focus on protein and calories. So it doesn't matter. So if you enjoy eating breakfast, cool. If you don't enjoy eating breakfast, cool. Focus on the fundamentals and you'll achieve your fat loss goals. So I lost my train of thought now. Where was I going with that? All I can say is thank God that I can pause this podcast and look over my notes and start again. <laughs> so, all right. So where I was going with that getting cancelled. So thought process behind faster cardio, same thing in regards to a lot of the ideas that uh, ends up being debunked, but you know, a lot of people still believe that they are true. Most of this stuff comes from the Arnold era, the bodybuilding era, the bodybuilding magazines, because that used to be where the predominant information for Jimmy goers wanted to optimize building muscle and losing body fat uh, come from. So these guys used to do faster cardio. It was very common. Um, one of the the podcasts that I'm referring to that I heard this from, this well, this thought process from, um, he actually lived in Los Angeles where the, is it Gold's Gym? Yeah, I think it's Gold's Gym. In Venice, California, where the vast majority of these bodybuilders were. And they all did faster cardio. Now, something to keep in mind is these guys were bodybuilders competing at the high level. And I mean, I could be wrong. And Arnold, don't come after me. But they're going to be using pharmacology and you know steroids, growth hormone to enhance their physiques to compete on the IFBB stage. So keeping that in mind, when you look into things, now this is probably not relevant for the vast majority of the listeners, but just a bit of a slight education here around the faster cardio, my thoughts here. So growth hormone itself actually helps mobilize free fatty acids for oxidization. So Rick, what's all that fancy terminology for? It basically helps release fatty acids so they're broken down more easily in a fasted state if you're using exogenous growth hormone. Now, growth hormone, if you look into the fasting now, I'm not the longevity guy, but um, fasting can promote and increase growth hormone 
Um, it's one of the benefits why growth hormone increases throughout we sleep and why we don't necessarily want to have a large meal before bed that's very, very high in carbohydrates, even though I do that almost every single night. But the benefits from fasting often come from the growth hormone utilization in the bodybuilding era, my thoughts, and that's where it all stemmed from. But I do get the idea that, you know, if you're someone who's, you know, really struggled with routine, getting out and doing fasted cardio is a great way to prime the day. You know, you've ticked that box, you've done something, you've, you've done like something that's going to move you closer to where you want to be. You've been active. So it's going to be like a great way to create a compound effect because you might find that, you know, if you wake up and then you just scroll on Instagram and you've, you know, just go about your day and you don't really do anything that's challenging first thing in the morning, you know, you might just flow throughout the day, just going from task to task to task and not really feeling like you're smashing your day, winning your day, for example. I could be wrong there too. But then by doing faster cardio, you might find that, all right, I've had my faster cardio. I'm not just going to have a big bowl of cereal now. I'm going to have like a, you know, high protein, you know, healthy, nutritious breakfast, predominantly high quality foods. So that's where I see faster cardio to be a benefit. It could create a compound effect and also as a way to get ahead. And that's one big thing um, as to why I do faster cardio is because, for example, at the moment, my steps target is 15,000. It's been 15,000 for probably the past three months uh, from my coach. I'm waiting for the day that he pulls it down, but it does not seem to be occurring anytime soon. And I basically have to sit on my ass all day and I make that sound like it's terrible. I love what I do and this is my choice and I wouldn't do anything else. But it's very difficult to get 15,000 steps a day in if I don't get ahead early in the day. So what I try to do first thing in the morning is get at least 5,000. Now, this happens maybe three times a week, but I set 5,000 as a target. Might be four, might be three. But I find by getting ahead, then just by default of chipping away at steps throughout the day, you know, going for a nice walk after each meal, it gets a lot easier to hit that target. So if you're struggling to get your steps in across the day, potentially that might be a, a use for you to implement faster cardio, um, especially if you're in a fat loss phase and that's when steps are going to be even more important because, you know, if we reduce our calories, by default, the body's going to try slow everything down. And that's why we want to set a steps target. If you're wondering why, you know, people just say hit 10,000 steps a day. Health benefits and all that are cool, but like getting shredded is cooler. Um, so it's something that as your calories reduce, your body will try conserve as much energy as possible. So if you start your calorie, your fat loss phase at 10,000 steps a day, if you reduce your calories into a deficit and you're not tracking your steps, you'll subconsciously end up doing 8,000, 7,000. All of a sudden, you're reducing your calories, you're hitting a stall, and you're wondering what's going on. Why am I hitting a stall? It's likely because your steps have reduced and your NEAT, which is basically non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Fancy wording for the shit you do when you don't think about doing it. So the fidgeting, you know, head movements, smiling, you might find that when you're in a fat loss phase, you probably speak a little bit slower. I know I do. Probably smile a bit less, fidget a bit less, and subconscious movement across the day can account for roughly about twenty percent of calories out. So if you think about that, that's a big lever to pull. And by focusing on that, 
allocating that towards your your steps goal with faster cardio, if that helps, that's when I would suggest it too. And in regards to the training side of things, like I mentioned before, if you train hard and you actually want to make progress, ideally, you know, I would consume a meal before training. So fast if you can, as long as you can until your training window. I wouldn't fast longer than three hours after waking, ideally. And that will make sure that you've got plenty of time to get in your protein feedings across the day. Um, so in regards to fasting, the big take home here is that if your goal is to lose body fat, regardless of if you do fasting or not, protein and calories are king and it does not make a difference. If you find that your focus is better, it suits your lifestyle better to fast, but you still want to maximize your, your muscle building goals or fat loss goals, I probably wouldn't recommend fasting any longer than three hours. Um, and I would say not to sweat the small stuff. If you fast, cool. If you don't fast, cool. Focus on the fundamentals. And I probably could have started the podcast with that. But hopefully this has helped provide some tips here. Um, and hopefully, you know, if you do want to implement this, I highly recommend it in a fat loss phase, potentially, if it helps you to adhere to your diet a lot easier. And if you do have any questions about fasting at all, feel free to let me know. And actually, one other thing. One cool thing that I, I wanted to cover before I finish up this podcast is a cool lesson I learned about fasting. So this is learning about urge surfing. So basically, imagine this where you, you do something that's extremely challenging, right? And then all of a sudden, anything else in life seems a little bit easier. You know, this might be, you know, you do a super, super hard exam or you get a really hard job at work and then you think, how am I going to do this? And somehow you manage to do it. Then all of a sudden, other tasks throughout the day feel easier. This is where I find fasting can be very, very beneficial because you start to learn the responses to this. You start to learn the hunger signals. You know, you start to realize, oh, I'm not hungry. I'm actually just bored because oftentimes the body adapts to consistencies with everything. So you might find that if you first implement the fasting, you know, you get this big spike where you usually would eat your meal, you get super hungry and you think, oh, far out, I'm starving, I'm starving. Eventually it subsides and then it might come back again and then eventually subsides. So it's like surfing that wave. And then what you find is that the, the more you push through this, the more you find you're able to manage these hunger signals and you have that awareness that, all right, it might feel intense right now, but it's going to pass eventually. So then in future, when you're in a fat loss phase and hunger starts to kick in, you're more readily aware of that and you're more ready to you know, accept that, yeah, it's just a wave. It's not just going to keep getting intense, more intense, more intense, more intense. And this is one really cool thing that I'm sure a lot of people, and it's coming up as well with Ramadan, probably do learn. And they realize like, yeah, it's, it's of course tough and challenging, but you know, they get through it and, you know, Ramadan's coming up. So if you really want to trial this, you know, 30 days, give it a crack, but that is definitely an extreme with fasting and um, definitely with the Ramadan side of things, if, if you are doing it, you know, if you're in like a muscle building focus, it might be a good idea to just rip into a mini cut over that month uh, because Forcing in, say, if you're eating 4,000 calories a day during Ramadan, I could imagine that being an absolute mission unless your mum's cooking is just absolutely elite and then you can't say no to that. Uh, so 
The key takeaways I hope have provided some value here. Gone on a few little tangents and hopefully you got some new cool lessons and maybe might be something you're more open to. Just like I have come over the years, I definitely used to jump at it and probably think it was a whole bunch of bullshit and I was going to lose all my muscle. But I can say with confidence that that definitely is not the case. I haven't lost muscle. It's helped my quality of life, helped my work productivity. My clients are probably happier. I'm not as sleepy on the check-in videos. And I think it is something I'll forever implement in my fat loss phases when needed. And ideally, I'll probably keep it in in the growth phase as long as I can. So looking forward to next week's podcast. I haven't come up with the podcast topic just yet. So feel free to shoot me a message if there's anything you'd like me to cover. And I hope you're having a great Sunday and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you.